What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. Sat back down with Untapped Growth, our boy Joel, doing incredible things in the regenerative, regenerative farming domain, making sure that our topsoil is happy and that we're getting that good meat. We talked about ESG, the morality behind ESG, whether or not we should leverage it to speculative attack the the fiat system from another angle. It's an interesting conversation. Retrospectively, now as I record this ad at 10 minutes to 10 on the East Coast the night before a 6 a.m. flight to Miami for the Bitcoin 2021 conference, I keep going back and forth. I agreed with Joel on this episode, but I'm like, ah, we just too agreeable here, Marnie? I don't know. Should we reject ESG? And does rejecting ESG mean not playing the carbon's cre- carbon credits game? Do you leverage the game put in front of you to attack the, the game makers? Interesting question. Interesting moral dilemma. Joel and I uh, try to dissect it as well as many other things in this episode. Looking forward to the trip to Miami. I'm like giddy with excitement. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep. I have to wake up at 4 a.m. to drive to Atlantic City Airport. But this episode should be going live as soon as I land in Miami. That's what I'm going to schedule it for. So I can land, send the tweet, go into the day, feeling good. I feel like I got something accomplished right away. Hopefully I can write the bend on the, the plane too. I'm not holding my breath on that one though. We'll see. We'll see. This episode was brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App's helping you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, sell sets, if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standard. There's 100 million sats in one whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats instead. Buy as little as $1, read the Cash App. You can DCA in the sats daily, weekly, bi-weekly. Let's set it and forget it. You set a set amount of sats or US, you know, your cuck bucks you have to spend on sats every day, every week, every two weeks. And you set it and forget it. On top of that, they have their boost program. You get your cash card. It's accepted wherever Visa is accepted. They got their partner merchants program. You hit a boost. You go spend at that merchant, you save some money. Sometimes they have their Bitcoin back boost. You spend some money, get some sats back. It's pretty chill. Cash App can also be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers for you freezing your paychecks direct deposit into the app. Go check all this out if you haven't already and download the Cash App using the code stacking sats. When you do so, you're going to get $10 and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls. Lacrosse. I might run into that dirt bag this week. I'm not looking forward to it. On a on a lighter note, on a brighter note, looks like Ross Ulbricht's going to be speaking at the Bitcoin twenty twenty one conference. Going to I'm not sure exactly. They sent a tweet out for the first time ever. The original Bitcoin OG, Bitcoin pioneer, and political prisoner, real Ross U, real Ross Ulbricht, sits down with Bitcoin Magazine for a recorded interview. Do not miss history in the making. So it's recorded. So I guess we're just going to get a 
a recording of the Ross Albrecht interview at the conference. Either way, I'm looking forward to it. I want to hear what Ross has to say. I'm sure he'd like hodl hodl and their Bitcoin lending platform they got. It's available to U.S. customers too because it's non-custodial. So they found a way to get around the, the, the cucked regulations here in the U.S. So hodl hodl, their lended hodl hodl is a platform that allows users to use Bitcoin as collateral to get uh, stablecoin liquidity. All right, so what you do is you it's non-custodial. Allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. There's no KYC, no AML. You pick your counterpart. You guys come to your terms. You put your Bitcoin in a multi-sig escrow as collateral, and you get stable coins as a loan. And as long as you're paying that stable coin loan back over the duration of the loan, you're going to get your stats back at the end of the day. Again, this is a lovely product because HODL HODL is leveraging the native properties of Bitcoin, particularly the native multi-sync properties. So you hold a key, your counterparty holds a key, HODL HODL holds a key. The beauty of this is that since you have a key, you have visibility into whether or not your sats are being rehypothecated. So you can make sure that they're staying in the multi-sig escrow wallet throughout the duration alone. So you know that they're there. When you pay back your loan, you're going to get your sats back. It's a beautiful thing. If you have stable coins, if you have them just laying around, you want to earn some interest on them, Lended HODL HODL offers one of the highest returns on the market. So you can enter the other side of that market, lend them out, get some yield, create your own offers, and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com today. That's lend, L-E-N-D dot H-O-D-L, H-O-D-L dot com. This rip is also brought to you by good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is trying to get more individuals hashing out there and the way they do this is they set up an incredible product where you go onto compassmining.io c-o-m-p-a-s-s-m-i-n-i-n-g.io you pick a miner model how much you want to hash the efficiency the wattage all that good stuff you pay for the miner compass gets the miner and once you get your miner you pick a hosting facility with competitive electricity costs that's the that's the thing with hosting facilities is they, they try to drive that, that electricity cost lower. So you don't have to mine at your home with 14 to 20 cent per kilowatt hour electricity costs. They try to drive that lower. So you get access to top of the line miners and you get access to cheap electricity rates with the hosting partners that Compass has lined up. So you pick your miner, you buy your miner, you pick a hosting facility, Compass gets your miner, plugs it into that hosting facility, and then starts streaming you sats. It's a beautiful thing. Go check this out at compassmining.io. That's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. They want to get more individuals hashing. Let's pump that number. Let's make that number go up. Last but not least, this rep was brought to you by our good friends at Brain. So I'm going to see Edward Evenson this weekend. What am I... I'm trying to plan mentally what I'm going to do to this freak, Edward I think I'm going to get like an oyster, like a, it's going to be like a, a baked oyster with a gross amount of cheese on it. And I'm going to have to tie him down and like force feed this cheese covered oyster just because he, he hasn't been cracking the hard enough with the, what's minor firmware? When what's minor? All right, beyond my my personal strife with with Edward, Edward Evenson, 
we're here to talk about Brains OS Plus Manager. All right, this is a mining manager software for individuals running Brains OS Plus that allows you to monitor your operations remotely on multiple devices without having to be on site 24 seven. It's a beautiful thing. On top of that, they're leveraging Stratum V2 to make sure that they're sending uh, data less frequently and when they are sending it, it's encrypted. And this protects against man in the middle attacks and eavesdropping attacks. So people aren't jacking your hash rate. This is a beautiful thing. You don't want people jacking your hash rate. You're paying for your miners. You're plugging them in. You're doing all the hard work and you're just not just going to sit there and let somebody man in the middle attack you and take your hash and stack sats on behalf of themselves using your hash. It's disrespectful. It's a cuck mentality. We don't like those here. So again, security and efficiency were top priorities for Brains OS Plus Manager. They got the Shredder V2, smaller and less frequent data transfers. All ASIC configuration telemetry data is being sent via encrypted connections again. For details on this, go to brains.com slash blog. That's B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash blog. And check out the Brains OS Plus Manager launch article. Again, brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Slushpool is also going to get their first major update soon. TM, the update hasn't been launched just yet, but I can tell you that it's going to include ultra-flexible payout system, customizable mining rewards, splitting, and best of all, dark theme for 24-7 hash rate monitoring. That's easy on the eyes. Follow up at slush underscore pool on Twitter to see the announcement when the pool update goes live. Let's start some conversation with this episode. Let me know what you think. Am I being a hypocrite? When is, uh, what is the moral dilemma we find ourselves in? How, how much should we leverage the fiat system to attack the fiat system? And at what point does leveraging the tools put before us by the fiat standard engross us in that standard ourselves? Does it lead us to become the enemy? Who knows? I'm sure we'll find out. Enjoy. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Boom. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here, sitting back down with our good friend Joel, aka Untapped Growth. Joel, how the hell are you doing? Doing good. How are you, man? Doing good. Excited for this conversation. I mean, we've been talking on Twitter the last few weeks. I'm sure you noticed. I've been getting more passionate about uh, the fiat standard and some of the offshoots of the externalities that have evolved in our economy because of the fiat standard that we live under and the access to easy money and the virtue signaling in the economy, particularly around the ESG movement, especially as it pertains to what I would deem as grifters in the quote unquote green <laughs> technology space using their external combustion engine technology uh, to force other people to buy carbon credits, offset credits, or, and then beyond that with the ESG movement, the social governance aspect of it too, to trying to dictate what happens in the boardroom 
um, very top down structure of control over what are supposed to be private enterprises. Uh, and it seems like it's eking into Bitcoin, particularly via the mining industry. There's a lot of people starting to virtue signal about green blocks, OFAC compliant blocks, whatever it may luckily, be. Luckily, Mara dropped their shit. Right? Well, we'll see. That was good news. It's good news. We'll see if, if they follow through with it. I hope they do. It seems like they're, yeah, the, the way they phrase that. I think they're adopting more um, sort of like plain block template software that's pretty widespread throughout the pool industry. That's the way I read that. But yeah, <laughs> you've got some thoughts on this. Do, am I articulating what I believe to be your view accurately and that we should be leveraging this to an extent if it's going to be out there? So as I've gotten into deeper building this cattle co-op, I've had to explore this whole carbon offsets pretty heavily. And my thoughts have gotten more and more refined. I'm really looking forward to talking to you, talking with you about it. Um, did you have anywhere in particular you want to start the conversation? Because if not, I got somewhere I really want to kind of true up our first principles together and then rock from there. Yeah, no, it's just free flow this baby. We, um, cool. We've been talking in DMs and publicly on Twitter. So it's just I, at, maybe add some context about your response yep. to, to my tweets last week and then we'll go from there. Cool. I actually want to start somewhere. It seems kind of out of left field, but I think it'll be healthy because I'm anticipating you and I having deep agreement, but also button heads. That'll be kind of fun. I just wanted to just right off the jump, be like the truth matters. I mean, fiat is the art of the grift and this whole ESG movement is that 2.0, right? Fiat is about, can you pander to the people who are closest to the money printer to get access to this thing? And it has nothing to do with the truth, right? It's about pleasing people that are at the top so that you can maintain liquidity as all this just easy money swashes around, right? Integrity is everything when it comes to producing real value in the world. And I'm like darn sure you and I both agree on that. I mean, we think about Bitcoin, right? Like one day when we have hyper-Bitcoinization, when all the wealth in the world is measured in Bitcoin, the way we grow the wealth of the world is through collaboration together. Collaboration where we do together what we each do best and thus grow the size of the pie because in that collaboration, we all get to add more, right? And that only functions because of trust. And fiat breaks down human trust. It puts noise into the system for miscommunication, but it also creates an entire world built on pandering. I mean, I love the Safety Dean podcast about Elon comparing him and Rockefeller. It was this contrast of somebody who actually added value to the world versus somebody who's just really good at the art of the grift, right? And fiat has destroyed everything because of that. And this ESG movement is that 2.0. I think you and I are in a hundred percent agreement on all that already. Yes. Check off the list there. I saw you were retweeting an earlier to another baron of the, the industrial revolution, James J Hill watched a nice little 30 minute, I don't want to say expose documentary, I guess like a little mini doc on him and comparing him to some of the fiat grifters, some of the other players in the, railroad industry particularly that were leveraging government handouts and trying to create regulatory modes that wound up failing 
at the end of the day because they didn't really care about building good railroads. They just cared about the grift and profiting from the grift. Just like uh, just like Musk and Tesla, right? Yeah. And so many other industries. And the truth, I mean, like the old verse, the truth will set you free, right? And that's Bitcoin. It's this reference point of absolute zero. It's going to eat all these things eventually. But the whole question is, what do we do in this transition period where we're stuck competing in this fiat world? I mean, I day to day, I'll, um, I hate using like US dollars. I mean, I use it in my small businesses I run because we have to, right? I mean, it's what my suppliers transact in. But dude, it's like, it's blood money is what it feels like, right? It's like these guys are pedophiles who are uh, destroying all the small businesses all around the world. And the more their money behold, the more energy we contribute to their system. And I fucking hate it. Yeah, it's pretty. Again, that's why we call it cuck bucks. You're like cucked to that system because you're like forced to use it. So I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts with um, your stranded gas guys. You guys could get carbon offsets for doing methane reduction, correct? Yes. Yes, we certainly could. Because we do. So, so what's the what's the thinking behind why you guys haven't done it? Just so I can understand your position there. It's just put plainly right now for where we are. Like we're we're still running as a lean startup, and our focus right now is on the product uh, and making sure that the containers themselves are as good as we want them to be. So our focus right now is on execution on the manufacturing side and obviously on execution on getting them plugged in and having them them up and running. Um, so in terms of leveraging carbon credits, it's not been uh, a priority for us yet. Um, we're focused on the product and getting it to a point where we can scale up significantly and rather quickly. At which point it probably does make sense to, to explore the carbon credits game uh, more aggressively or earnestly, if you will. Yeah. There's so many threads in this conversation. Um, we should probably start with like, even for, do, I mean, do your, most of your visitors, do they understand how are your listeners, how carbon offsets and all that even work? Some yeah. of the guys that we retweet this out in my community have been asking me to explain the basics. We should probably hash some of that out first. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's explain the basics of what it is. So carbon offsets, um, Essentially, what these things are is you as some sort of producer. So say in a logical world, me as a regenerative rancher, I take biochar, which is fossilized wood. That's this type of carbon that's pretty much got a near infinite half-life. It'll last forever in the soil. We put it into the soil. We do regenerative grazing practices where we're actually building up um, permanent carbon all the way down like deep, deep into the soil, like feet down. And they come through, they test your soil's organic matter content to verify your grazing practices. And then they give you these imaginary real things that they now create saying, you've stored this much carbon and you can sell it to other producers who need to offset their pollution, right? So it, it takes imaginary concepts based upon their regulations and you could open market sell them as if they're real good okay base premise this doesn't sound too terrible besides the fact that centralized control right i mean 
we care about environmentalism, but there's all these holes in it, right? Where, what is your definition of what's good for the environment? I mean, does global warming and carbon in the air even fucking matter? <laughs> I fall with safety and I think it's all irrelevant. I care about topsoil and, and purity of our water tables. Because when you're eroding the topsoil in the biolog biological layer of the earth, that's where you're losing the support system for all of our food and our ecosystems, right? It, they're like, like the limiting factor of growth for a lot of fields during peak in the summer is actually the amount of carbon in the field, like in the air. The, uh, the windier the day, the faster your grass grows because the grass will actually grow out like it'll photosynthesize at such a rate that it actually exhausts the carbon at the ground layer that it's trying to use to grow. Like the, our world is so good at finding balance, right? Okay, so decentralized powers, so many things here are just silly in the way they define what's good for the planet. Even if we just ignore the fact whether or not they should even be doing this to us as free individuals, right? So like this methane thing, you get more credits for eliminating problems being put into the world like reduction of methane than you do for sequestering carbon in the soil. So like the biochar idea, they actually don't really give you much credits for stuff like that. Now there's a company that did a research study and proved that when you feed cattle garlic, it reduces their methane emissions by about 80%. It actually fixes the biology in their gut. It's good for the cows. It actually reduces parasites, it reduces fly load on the cows. It actually helps them gain weight and be healthier. But from the environmental concern guys, they realize that it reduces the methane emissions, which is this whole big thing everybody stressed out about, right? So there's this company that did that research study, proved it was possible. Now they give away garlic to cattle producers. They give it away because they make more money giving it away for free and collecting the carbon offsets for giving it with a guarantee that it's gonna be fed to cattle to negate the methane emissions than they would on the open market selling this product to cattle producers. So it's this massive distortion, right? They're, they're making money giving away a product and the real product they're selling is not even real. It's these imaginary methane reductions. That same thing starting to infiltrate more into the cattle industry with stuff like, um, like Lando Lakes with some of their big dairies now. They installed a bunch of solar panels which you get carbon offset credits for they did all these little silly practices with LED lights and none of them are actually doing any good for the environment. These cows are still in feedlots being fed like bullshit grains and stuff, right? But now they get carbon offsets because they have these green technologies and these big megacorps that can do these kinds of things and pay these upfront fees, like, uh, like your average farm that's trying to get into doing carbon credits, your fee is minimum 50 grand minimum. I mean, often much, much more. There's companies that'll cover the upfront costs for you, but then they take a big cut passively over time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's once again, it's centralizing the whole industry around these big megacorps that can cover those fees. And in addition to that, they're doing things that aren't even really like the best, like they're not even good practices, right? It's just, it's based upon the imaginary ideas of the regulators. Go for it, Marty. No, I was just going to say that's the most infuriating thing. Again, like you said in the beginning, we should be seeking objective truth and trying to get to the truth and of everything. And it's just an incredibly 
dishonest, disingenuous virtue signal. It does nothing, right? You buy these carbon off credits, you're still producing carbon <laughs> at the end of the day. It's like you can buy. So it's essentially on a tax. It's a tax too. It's like another tax levied on entrepreneurs who are just trying to make life better for other people. And like you mentioned earlier, like we should be having the debate. Like, is this, does this even make sense? Is this insanity? Are these people climate hysterics? And that's obviously something I've been getting more vocal about on this podcast and on Gamcast is no, I don't, I don't think we should be working within the framework put forth by a hysterical group of people who have been consistently wrong for decades and don't have actually a lot of good data to back up what they're saying. If you actually dive into the data, like many people, like Professor Steve Coonan from NYU is starting to do, like Patrick Moore, the founder of Greenpeace, has done in the past, Alex Epstein. Obviously, these guys are all pro-oil. Actually, Patrick Moore would be more pro-nuclear, but like it's again, they're they're arguing with manipulated data. And again, I think it's all about control. So my biggest beef, especially as Bitcoiners, uh, watching the Bitcoin industry, my biggest beef, pun intended, uh, is <laughs> like it were, I'm beginning to see, particularly in the mining industry, a bunch of people, because the energy FUD, a bunch of people just beginning to try to appease the ESG movement and the framework, trying to work within the framework they're putting before us. Like I said, Great American Mining, we can do that. We reduce methane. We help we help reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere. Which again, like should that even be a goal? Who knows? Um and as we begin to appease and appease nothing's ever going to be good enough for them. Like again, like Bitcoin mining as an industry has one of the highest penetrations of renewable energy as a source of electricity of any industry in the world. And so like, I, I just worry that we're going to like begin trying to work within this framework. We're going to get further down and you're going to have to get into this carbon credit game and that turns into other regulatory games that turn into uh, a degradation of the Bitcoin mining industry in North America. Again, I've been clear about this too. I don't think it's going to hurt Bitcoin in the long run. If anything, it's just going to hurt industry in the United States and partner countries that, that tag along with this. And so I get worried when you just see people signaling as ESG friendly and pushing the ESG narrative, which I think again, ESG, I think it's a movement coming from the world economic forum and, and those types. And they don't really care about the environment. They care about control. They're, they're Marxists too, who want top town control of the global economy. I mean, and they're pretty overtly clear about this uh, with all their marketing and the initiatives that they have out there. So that's where I come from. I worry and about that. As somebody, again, I'm skin in the game. As a somebody who's working for a company and building a company that is very, very much ingrained and built and sort of 
we tied our our wagon to to the Bitcoin mining industry in North America and seeing the the beginnings of uh, a movement that could severely hinder the growth of the industry within the United States has been the impetus to to make me be more more vocal about this particularly. So with you guys, how hard would it be to go kind of completely like dark market kind of way with your strand of gas wells to where nobody knows you're doing it? Or you guys with the regulated oil and gas industry to where you're pretty much going to get sucked into whatever happens? It depends. It depends on how much of the stuff you own, right? Like if you own, if you own the gas assets at the end of the day, you can do whatever the hell you want with them. <laughs> and so you can, yeah, you can go galt's clutch on them, just turn in and, hey, I bought this land, I own this land. Bought these generators, own these generators, bought these miners, own these miners. I can do what the, what I want with them. And even then, like, you'd have to have somebody identify that you're buying all these assets and using them uh, to do this particular thing, right? Like that's the beauty of off-grid mining. It can't be identified. You can't find our energy suck on a grid like they did in Venezuela, in the UK last week. Cops shut down a Bitcoin mining operation because they could literally look at the data emanating from the grid and highlight where it was people were pulling more energy uh, off than the, the average consumer. Um, so yeah, we don't have that footprint either. The fact that all this runs in 20 foot shipping containers, which are pretty common if you're doing like GPS, uh, photo, like surveillance from up in the sky. It's really hard to, to identify. So yeah, like, I think we could, we could go black market pretty easily. So how much your guys' stuff is, Bitcoin mining as a service for other people who own these wells versus you guys acquiring full vertical integration of the stack? Um, right now, it's like a, a combo. Like, so mainly flare. We go and say, hey, you're in North Dakota. You have strict flaring regulations. We'll, we'll buy that gas that you're flaring. But we own and operate the boxes and the machines. So and they, they own the land. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting, interesting. So you're using that to boot up, and then you'll go after acquiring full integration later. That's, yeah, that's a, I think that's the. I think that's just naturally where it goes. That's how you drive your your cost down over time, right? It's, random, random rabbit trail. I don't want to chase, but uh, I wonder if we could collaborate as I get my co-op fund built, where we're acquiring grazing land. If we could focus on getting grazing land with strata gas assets and us work together on it. Yeah. That would make a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about that before. Well, I couldn't stop thinking of just everything that's going on with what you're doing and what we're doing after watching this James J. Hill documentary this morning. Like he was ruthless and he leveraged all the that's like the one beautiful thing that was highlighted in this 30 minute documentary. If you guys freaks haven't listened to it. Go watch it. I think the name of it, the YouTube video is called The Greatest Business Leader in American History. It's only got like 360 views right now. It was dropped yesterday, May 31st, but uh, it's on the channel called um, Stand Up and Lead. But he he leveraged every all the capital available to him. So 
financial capital derived from profits of businesses he built over the t- over time and reinvested into new new businesses. So that financial capital, uh, the land capital, he built railroads across uh, uh, the west and northern part of the country. And so he he was very particular with where he built his railroads and wanted to make sure that there was land alongside it that could be farmed uh, and used to fill the carts that would be on the train tracks that would be moving from the east coast to west coast and vice versa um and then the human capital so he incentivized people to come in he he, he gave a bunch of immigrants in europe like free boat tickets and then 150 acres of land each for free just to come and farm the land and uh create this sort of symbiotic relationship an economic flywheel along the railroad that that made him the most profitable railroad baron of his time and he didn't take any government handouts or go into any debt he just reinvested into the land capital the human capital and that turned into more financial capital Um, and his goal was to uplift the people along the railroad and the people working on the railroad and the people working for his company He, he didn't take a salary he didn't really have personal wealth as a goal um but by being hyper focused on making the people along the railroad as wealthy as possible and just by as a byproduct he became extremely wealthy to the tune that he left his family a fortune of like 1.4 trillion dollars in today's dollars when when he passed um so like seeing what's going on today i kind of stop thinking like this just reminds me of like what's going on in bitcoin and, and the push towards localism and what you're doing with the regenerative farming like exactly what you said we can go find assets land assets with gas just create turn that gas into into bitcoin but at the same time the land around it farm it get it get it uh like turn it into productive land as well beyond the gas assets you get energy and livestock assets like you you got your revenue per acre could be ginormous right Oh, it could be huge. Yeah, that makes me think so much of what I'm up to because the deeper I'm getting into this, the more I'm realizing I'm essentially playing 5D chess where I'm facilitating the outgrowth of like entire new markets and ways to organize society. And that like him giving the 150 acres to people because it's like that mutual beneficial synergy where it's almost like a network effect that boosts the wealth of everything he's up to. That's so similar to the collaboration with these contracts I'm designing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like it's it's insane how far like enterprise and industry has gotten away from that concept of it's always how do I raise more debt? How do I play the the lobby game to to get us uh, better deals from the government? It's never let's turn it's not government in a how do I create real wealth and grow the size of the pie? Yeah. It's how do I siphon more fake value out of the money printer as we all race to zero. But it's pervasive. It's it's all-encompassing, right? Yeah. It's inescapable. I mean, like, as I've dug into the carbon offsets with the farmers, so, like, my my local landlord here in Virginia, she had a solar panel company come and offer to lease her land from her. They offered her one of the company's 800 bucks per acre per year and another company offered her 1200 bucks per acre per year to lease with like a 10 or 15 year lease to put solar panels, right? 
And then they're going to feed that solar panel energy to the grid and sell it to Dominion. The only reason, first, your average grazing lease in the U.S. is $15 per acre per year. Holy shit. So, yeah, this is why you hear complaints of the solar panel companies out competing the agriculture industry because they just fucking are. Like, that's not just a 10x. That's almost a, like, that's like a 100x. <laughs> yeah, like, the going rate for leases that we can pay. It's just absolutely insane. Some places in the country, they're paying two or three grand per acre per year, which is just freaking mind blowing. Depend upon like closeness to population centers and the going rates for selling back grid, right? But the whole reason they can do this is because of carbon offsets. They get these offsets because they're green energy, which I mean, like, like shit. I mean, we're talking about Tesla and all the rare earth mineral mining and solar panels being built out of coal in China. Like, if you take the whole picture, are they really even green to start with? And that's it. I've been thinking about how to really put this to words. I love Sailor's idea where he said that Bitcoin thermodynamically grounds the digital space into the physical realm of time and space because that functions as a bridge that connects the two realities, right? This carbon offset market is like the inverse of that. It takes something immaterial and it creates a physical tool to give or take away the blessing or curse of the elites. Yeah. It, it materializes their will is really all it does. It's a method of control because now you can give it to favored businesses based on how you design the definitions, giving them to Tesla and the solar panel companies, even if you're out competing regenerative farmers like me, right? You can, with the lobbyist and then the big upfront cost and then even the approval process, they can choose who to approve and who not to approve, giving their guys that they want to give favor access to these new markets. It's so bad that some of the farms that are getting into doing these carbon offsets, they make nearly as much money on carbon offsets as they do on their cattle. Like, so if you don't... And like the perturbed incentive there too, like and it perturbs the incentives at the business decision level like what if these farmers start (laughs) fine-tuning their businesses for carbon credits over actually producing good cattle healthy cattle or fine-tune their business decisions and grazing management instead of caretaking the soil and the grass and the animals to whatever the statistical definitions of the fat of the day is for carbon or methane like whether or not it's even accurate to caretaking their local environment in their backyard because they want to improve the productive value of their land yeah and then it's like your little guys how do you compete now you got lando lakes putting in solar panels and led lights and getting solar credits for their feedlots and you're out there greening the environment doing real environmentalism and they're out competing you now because they're getting almost double their revenue or whatever it ends up being because of these carbon offsets. That's just materializing the will of the political power. Yeah. So we're on the same page. We need to reject ESG. So let's start with the Bitcoin miner, right? The Bitcoin miners, one, they're not energy producers. So there's a fallacy there, right? We talked about that some. I think some people brought that up on the Nick Carter spaces. They're just an energy user. They're no different than Tesla, where Tesla is like an external combustion engine, right? Or like uh, like Richard said, Pierre, that uh, 
look, I can plug a Bitcoin miner in. It's not making any carbon, right? There's no difference between a Tesla being an energy user and a Bitcoin miner being an energy user. They're not freaking producers. So why are we falling into the paradigm to start with? That whole thing is just a fallacy. And then next, I mean, this is a tactical game. If we let them start to make us voluntarily submit to their framing, they're just going to erode us. It's just that simple. I mean, it's not, they don't care about the green. They care about control. They don't like Bitcoin. No matter what we do, they don't want us doing it. They're just going to nickel and dime us. If we submit here, it just is going to be one of these situations where, okay, it's these carbon credits are cheap. It gets the monkey off our back. They'll leave us alone and stop bullying us. Okay, well, now we're already doing this. So what's a little couple laws here to regulate us? Oh, now we all have to report if we're mining. Oh, now they regulate how we mine. Oh, now they can subvert the Bitcoin network, right? Yeah. It's so obvious if you're an adversarial thinker, just like what the slippery slope leads to. And I love that you mentioned the justification right now. So right now we're at the the justification phase to justify the the purchasing of, of carbon credits to offset by the mining industry. It's like, oh, it's only five basis points. Like, come on, we'll pay that. It's five basis points. It's cheap. We'll get the monkey off our back and we'll, we'll be fine. It's like, well, that's where it starts. And it's like, all right, now you're mandated to report your energy mix and you've got to pay for all this, this metering technology that you have to bring on site and has to, to give live data feeds of, of the energy being produced and the fuel source. That, that was used to produce that electricity. And it's like, all right, that's, that's another thing. So that's another cost added to an operation. And then it's regulations on top of that, having to pay taxes for not um, producing what would be considered a, a green energy mix. Carbon credits are already a tax added. And then, yeah, like you said, and it's like it's in, from the meat space operations to the, to the digital world, Bitcoin network operations where it's like, all right, you need to, uh, you need to comply with this mining pool because uh, it is the most woke. I mean, they won't say that, but that's basically what they'll, they'll try to do. It's not, not allowing terrorists to, to transact. And it just seems so obvious and I, I get frustrated and I, I love many of the people pushing this in the industry, but I wholeheartedly disagree with them. We should not be openly going down this path to appease these people. Again, there, there's no appeasing these people. Like we, uh-huh. they want control. They don't care about you. They don't care about the environment. They just want to control how everything works. These people are literal psychopaths who think they can micromanage a global economy. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation of where they're trying to take everything. As an environmentalist, I 100% agree with you, which probably shocks people to hear me say it. The, the, I'm an environmentalist I, too. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. They try that's, to be yeah. like a climate change denier. It's like the climate changes. Like, there's no doubt about it. Seasons exist. <laughs> We've had billions of years of climate changing. Uh, we had megafauna, megaflora uh, in times of, of the world's history. I mean, they may come back. We've had ice ages. We've had many ice ages, the climate changes. There's no denying that. Yep. We just need to solve the real problems, not do this whole leftist thing 
where we create an imaginary definition of the problem that's way far away from home so we can keep chasing it as if it's a crisis rather than actually solving it in our backyard. Exactly. And that's why, like I go on Twitter, I tell people to clean their beaches, like clean your fucking beach, use a Yeti. Like if you, if you want to be conservative, like stop buying water bottles, uh, like simple things uh, that you can do at your home, like support a local farmer, like, like buy your meat from regenerative grazers. Yeah. Who are building topsoil. Yeah. And the, so hey. it's the coastal elites too. It's like the blue check coastal elites who are screaming about all this from their hot tubs. They don't, they don't care. They don't care about it. Yeah. Like the whole thing, look at the insurance companies, right? If anybody actually believed this was a problem with the sea levels rising, your insurance cost on these oceanfront real estate would be high. They're not. No. And you look at one of a the- different rabbit trail. You look at the insurance cost of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. That's another telly piece of data. <laughs> oh, what's that? I haven't, I haven't peeked into that one. Yeah, that is, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. I don't know it well enough, but it's, it's right. that's a quirky one to look into. No, but the the the, the money estate, tells the truth, right? Yeah, the real estate insurance is a real signal throughout all the noise here, like Miami. Like, how come the the real estate in, insurance industry there isn't writing in clauses about about Miami falling underwater? They're not. Same where Manhattan. They don't believe it. They don't believe it at all. They don't believe Obama was like one of the biggest climate accord pushers in the world. And he buys a, a house on the beach in Malibu, which is supposedly falling into the ocean. It's like these people are not picking up what they're putting down. It's, yeah. Back to the Bitcoin miner thing. I've been thinking more and more about this whole sovereign individual thesis, kind of what you and I talked about on the last podcast about Bitcoin is the emergence of a new paradigm of an asynchronous, geographically asynchronous nation state. I mean, if you think about a nation state, right, what do they provide? They provide security against the threat of violence. Bitcoin allows us to secure our wealth without violence. It incentivizes collaboration in a way where we have mutually assured destruction as we try to do trade because you can't take stuff from me now, right? So like you can come raid my farm and try to kill all my cows, but you can't take my, like if I had a little village, but you can't take my treasury anymore. So even when you get all the way to the realm of actual, like almost tribalistic warfare, it changes the way that states and little cities, like cities will interact in the future. It's almost like Bitcoin itself as a network by disincentivizing violence is becoming a nation state in and of itself where this is now the entity that secures our sovereignty rather than our militaries for those of us that have joined the network, right? So as these elites try to use this ESG to submit Bitcoin miners to their paradigms, the way I'm beginning to see it as if we as the first emergent leaders and plebs who are living in this new nation state, they are threatening our nation because they're trying to subvert our national integrity of the thing that defends us in this new world. No doubt. Like, again, it's these people only want control. They cannot control Bitcoin and they're trying to subvert Bitcoin, which, as you just said, is the new nation state that, that preserves sovereignty and protects sovereignty in the digital age. And they're definitely attacking and they're trying to subvert it. And that's why, again, 
talking a lot about this I already mentioned in this episode, but I think it just forces mining off grid. I think you're going to have like Tom at great American mining. He's, he's like convinced that mining in North America is going to have a moonshining age, which is going to be, it's going to be beautiful. You're just going to find all these small little operations. You're going to have like small upstream data hash huts, some great American mining containers just spread all throughout the country, uh, running on gas and generators that are hidden to some degree. Um, but that's the beauty of better. That are the biochar stuff we talked about last time, where we're clearing the land of the scrub trees and being truly carbon negative, but actually making power at the same time. Yeah. Doing that anywhere. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just, I think it's just like the natural progression of things. And it's actually good for Bitcoin, right? It distributes hash production. Um, it makes it much harder to shut down again because it can't be identified with an on grid footprint. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think we, I think we got to go, uh, Galt's clutch on people, just turn away and not deal with it. And so that's, that's the thing that has to be figured out with the mining industry in North America is how do you reject necessary capital to bootstrap a sizable operation, um, from people working with a, within a fiat framework. That's like the, the one problem that needs to be figured out right now which you can do bootstrapping, rolling, good James J. Hill, just roll profits of the company and reinvest and reinvest and slowly over time scale up. Um, but if you're looking to do it in a quick fashion, how do you do so without getting tied up into the fiat system? And again, the capital providers with an ESG mandate getting involved, at which point they will have a certain amount of control over operations um, just because of the fact that they have an equity stake in it, right? Yeah, this is also goes to that side of our individual thesis of in the future where the nation states lose their power and we as the individual have more power, what is the thing that incentivizes us to create communities of social cohesion? It's no longer going to be these legal structures that have a monopoly on violence because that's going to be disincentivized now where that's not as relevant as it used to be. I think what it'll be now is we will build communities around mutual benefit. And so the leaders that will emerge in the world are people that are doing things where we're bringing together people from different worlds, much like the Jay Hill, that create these networks of mutual synergies that unlock new possibility. That will be what coalesces and actually builds these asynchronous every time in space communities of these new almost nation groups right in those places if we can find the right opportunities in the right time to begin creating that network synergy i think some of us will better start making the leap to pre-exist in that world before the whole fiat world falls apart and I think that pre-existing state is going to have such massive synergies. We'll be able to unlock capital flows to bootstrap things like you're talking about, which is exactly what's happened with the cattle co-op situation. I mean, we're looking at people actually uh, throwing us a good amount of money. We're going to boot up a large scale fund, which I don't want to get into this too much, but it's, we've decided we need a cantillionaire bridge of some sort <laughs> for kind of like leverage and covering for solving some very particular problems to help bootstrap the peer-to-peer -peer network where they'll actually kind of ping things back and forth off of each other and work well. 
And there's just demand for it because there's nobody else out there living forward like we are in a world of real things. There's so many investor guys who they want to get into land investments and regenerative agriculture investments, but all the fiat portfolios of that, they're just stupid fluff. They're not real. There's smoke and mirrors with nobody having the right resilient first principles, but we as Bitcoiners will. So anywhere we leveraging this new distributed consensus that we have through Bitcoin can create these collaborative opportunities where we live in kind of a forward leading state of pre-entering into the new world before everybody else. I think we can unlock new capital flow that wouldn't exist otherwise. And I think I completely agree with what you just said. And I think what needs to be articulated to people out there, particularly people building businesses in the, the industry that's growing around Bitcoin is this is long-term, probably the best strategy too. It's probably not the easiest way. It's not, uh, not the quickest way, but long-term, if you want to be remembered as a James J Hill, as a Rockefeller, you, you have to do it the right way. If you want control over the autonomy of your business, and the sovereignty of your business. If you want your business to be sovereign and autonomous, this is the way to go. I, I, I'm becoming more convinced, um, especially as you see. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, especially as you see, like, like what, I, like the, the Coinbase biggest IPO in the space to date. Like they had A16Z, all these Silicon Valley funds invested in them they basically became like a they didn't have autonomy over their company anymore like coinbase morphed into this a16z portfolio consolidation company where if like some of their companies were failing they just get merged into coinbase like Toshi and um a bunch of other stuff and the, the who knows maybe brian armstrong wanted to take coinbase a different direction i don't think he has much uh control over the direction of Coinbase just due to the entrenched interest behind him um, in the venture capital space. Like how can we get back to industry of, of businesses that actually build themselves up instead of depending on this, this VC capital, this private equity capital? Is it possible? Who knows? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Because we've been incentivized with fiat to just chase this easy money and debt in order to be able to keep up with the churn rather than be able to focus on producing real value. But if my thesis is correct, we're in a transition state of just kind of like fourth turning monetary transition, right? We're like just a turning point humanity in general. And this thing's kind of just going to be like a freaking war. It's going to be something that it's going to be grody. And any point where we've gotten sucked into having hooks of the monster of the fiat monster into the things we're building or places we're fragile. We have to be so, so careful to make sure we maintain integrity, integrity not defined as morality, integrity defined as integration and unity of having a singular whole that can't be penetrated by anything that can like break it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I worry. That's why, again, that's why I'm getting so vocal. I think catering to the ESG madness starts to erode that integrity, right? The strength of the assurances that allow us to have this, this sovereign digital nation, this sovereign digital ledger, this sovereign digital money in the, 
in Bitcoin. It's like they're like siren calls, right? It's like you listen, but everybody has to tie themselves to the mast and and just power through the easy money and decide to do things the hard way, the longer way to to preserve the integrity of the Bitcoin network in the long run and the integrity of your business and the integrity of of your your character, right? You're, a lot of people, there's a lot of capital out there and all these big institutions are coming in. They're, they're looking to slosh it around. And when they slosh around that capital, that capital comes with control. A seeding of control if you're the business. Yeah. Because I would argue we need to be like one of my favorite quotes of Jesus. The enemy is coming for me and he has nothing on me. There's no handles. There's nothing that can be jerked. There's no weak points because I've done anything dishonest. I've not lied, cheated, stolen. There's no pride. There's no insecurity. There's no blindness because any of those places, anywhere you're not holy is blind. You're blind. You can't see it. Your integrity of your actual purity is directly equivalent to how well you can see the game board of the world around you as it plays out. We see this in Bitcoin, the scammers all the time, right? Like people who have compromised in their past are more likely to miss what's happened with Bitcoin in the present. To me, that's one of the biggest arguments for why morals matter because not because of some religious fancy of like ethics for ethics sake, but like, holiness is directly equivalent to the amount of power you can bring to bear on the world to do good if you're not holy you short circuit your own power because now everybody else has handles on you or can trick you <clears throat> keep bringing it back to the james j hill documentary but like he proved that right like every anybody in the railroad industry who attached themselves to government handouts and attempted to create regulatory moats failed again because at the end of the day they didn't care they were building shittier products they were they weren't maintaining them. They didn't actually care about the safety or the the quality of of the railroads, um, because their their intention wasn't building quality railroads and providing humanity with a way to transport economic value across the country. Um, they they cared about leveraging the Cantillon effect and the free money handouts whereas james j hill truly wanted to uplift people from poverty as an immigrant himself and provide people with opportunities to accumulate capital and make a life for themselves and he did it beautifully like he again giving out those 150 acres everybody and uh, incentivizing them to to grow good crops by having yearly competitions um about between the farmers that that got the land, whether it be the quality of the milk, the quality of the meat, the quality of the wheat, um, sort of give it away, incentivize people to to build high quality goods and ship those goods across the country, and it was an extremely profitable business that grew out of an aim to make the people who touch that business better off, instead of trying to fucking suck money out of the system it's really like it is 
And that's what yeah, that's what I worry about. You see, you see a lot of, I mean, you see a lot of people in the space, like spinning stuff up just to to ride the hype cycle. I mean, this has been going on in the Bitcoin and quote unquote cryptocurrency space for almost a decade now, especially with the altcoins and, and that that whole grift. Like that that part of the industry is just the railroad barons who were trying to just get a quick buck and didn't care about the quality or, or, or the intention behind the industry that they were a part of. I don't think there's a lot of people in the Bitcoin overarching cryptocurrency industry who actually understand why we're in this. They just want to get money. Interesting little rabbit trail. One place the railroads didn't live with integrity was in relation with the native nations. Do you know the stories about how they were attacking the guys trying to build the railroads and it was like huge, just all out warfare and they couldn't figure out why their workers kept getting massacred? No. What the natives knew that the English guys building the railroads didn't was that the way the railroads were designed with the berms actually functioned like what they used to to, to create herding behavior when they would herd the bison off of cliffs in order to harvest them for like, like for the tribe for like a big take um the way the railroads are designed actually functioned in a way that was like a catch shoot for the animals the natives knew that this east to west railroad was slicing the bison migratory pattern in half in a way that was going to destroy their entire way of life it was literally an attack on their society because for them these plains indians often just followed the migratory patterns of the buffalo when you destroy that migratory pattern with this berm that affects actual migration patterns their whole way of life breaks down those railroads could have been designed in a way that actually did not cause harm to the buffalo but they didn't take the time to ask they didn't work they didn't collaborate they didn't take the time to build relationship and trust consequences of this are the destruction of these people groups that exist today i mean you look at the native americans and what their people were like there's so much harm that got done as the clash between our nation and theirs happened, rather than us creating a more beautiful world together as it was intended to be. And it's one little spot. He tried to live with integrity and take care of everybody. Jay Hill did. But there's so much utter destruction from that one people group he didn't respect. Shit. I did not know that. That makes a lot of sense, though. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so that's like the whole going back to the sovereign individual never had a better opportunity to communicate between these these people groups but there's so much noise out there right like how do we get through the noise and get the right people having the right conversations right because now i think it's the wrong people dictating the wrong conversation enforcing otherwise productive industrious and otherwise smart people into just a bad framing in a in a in a, in a losing proposition from the get-go like so like how do we avoid that noise that's noise esg is noise a lot of people are getting drawn to that noise and forced to to add to it yeah we're so used to the art of the grift that we don't even realize we're playing the same game still it's just become a part of our mindsets right which is so i mean the bit the whole valis thing of bitcoin changes you right like it's starting to revamp a lot of our mindsets 
And some of us are deeper down that hole than others. We're like the truth matters and like we're going to change the world with it. We have absolute zero of having a true reference point again where it's it's not going to be about this people pandering anymore. But we're there in some realms and we're not there in others. Yeah. It's again, it's all encompassing. And everybody's like, so that that's one thing I worry about, like, is this fiat mindset so pervasive now? It's going to, I mean, we debate this ad nauseum on this podcast with different guests. Like, what's the time frame? Is it going to take generations? Like, it may take generations to unwind all this shitty thinking. But you got to start somewhere. Agreed. Agreed. Yo, so like to me, it's just a worldview thing, right? A worldview is something that dictates the, your framing of your interpretive lens of reality in a subconscious manner, whether you realize it or not. And that's what's so powerful about Bitcoin is it reshapes your worldview without you realizing it's happening. That's why it, part of why it changes people so strongly. But it's a process we have to submit to, too, and kind of be collaborative with. Um, like this is a place in a worldview level that I think I'd probably disagree with you on as far as is carbon offsets. So Bitcoin, this new world, it's about integrity of having no handles because everything we do is grounded in truth. Our enemy, the fiat world and these elites, everything they do is based upon lies so they can attain more power. But in their lies, they have very soft flanks because they have to be so large that they kind of have to like, like a wire has to tell a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth lie to keep the first lie going. They have all these places where they don't have cohesion because they don't have integrity like we do, right? Their just entire strategy has just soft spots. For example, you going out and getting carbon offsets as flare gas miners, me going out and getting carbon offsets as a regenerative rancher building the Bitcoin Citadels. If we can play that game with integrity, is that not a speculative attack on the system of treating this like as cunning as serpents, but as innocent as doves, right? To where we're taking their soft flanks and using their resources to go to war against them to help destroy them. No, I can see that. And like I said, we probably will have to play the carbon credit game and we'll use it to reinvest in the in the business, right? Just because... Again, if we're, I don't know, I go back and forth with this. Like, or do you just signal that you don't want to play any part of it by not, not playing in it at all? But you could speculative attack that system, right? Um, if you could boot, I mean, if use it to help bootstrap, stay out of the uh, the fiat capital game, um, capital provider game. If you will, yeah. But it's back. Like, so can you do that and be vocal against it at the same time? Like, how do you, how do you avoid being a hypocrite if you are um, going to to play that game? That's that's one thing in my mind that I that I've been thinking about a lot um, in the last and couple of months. Tell the truth. Don't hide it. Right. As long as you're honest with every party that you're working with, then it has integrity. If they got soft enough flanks that I can be out here living honest and they still give me capital resources to attack them, that's their fucking fault. And I'm going to use it to do all the damage I can. 
Yeah, but then you have to think about the other side of that, right? Like who you're selling the credits to. Like, is that a business? That would be better off without that intervention of of the carbon credit game that they've been forced to play. And would society overall be better off if they weren't forced to play that game and left to their own devices were just able to run the business the way they saw fit? I guess that's where... They, they have free will. They can always refuse to do so. Yeah. I mean, I see it like fiat, right? I hate using it as blood money, but if we can... We live in a world where we have to play these games in order to win the war. And I, I think it can be done with integrity as long as we're honest with all the parties involved. Yeah. I mean, use it to hit like a breakaway speed. Because it's like they're playing these contender games where they're printing fake value and using it to fight against us. I mean, they're just literally just speculative attacking the time of all of us to enslave the world continuously to the order of trillions of dollars now. If we don't take advantage of their soft flanks, we're so outcompeted that even I don't even know if the guerrilla warfare tactics is going to be enough to win. We need to see this where this is war. This isn't business anymore. This isn't just like me trying to make fair deals with everybody. Like we need to respect everybody we do business with. But in the grand scheme of things, this is modern warfare. We need to understand that we're working to subvert a system that's trying to enslave all of mankind and the stakes are incredibly high. Not that we should compromise or live dishonest, but that our moral imperative is to win, but to win while doing so with integrity. That means we should be being innocent as doves, but cunning as serpents. We need to be both because naivety is not going to win this. That's a very good point. Yeah, and naivety, a romanticism for the perfect, a romanticism for what you, you deem to be virtuous. You may want it to be that way, but sometimes reality doesn't like agree with doesn't agree with you. Yeah. See, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even frame it that way. Because you're still living upon their framing that it's wrong to view this as war and to go after their soft flanks to win. This isn't a moral judgment. Not, I don't think so anyway. That'd be what I would argue. This is, this is a situation where they're making a tactical error that we can take advantage of to go out and win. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because Fiat yeah. World, right, is about, it's about posturing and virtue signaling to maintain a power dynamic where you have access to their power as they print money and enslave the world. If we try to reject their narrative because we're trying to virtue signal that we're not going to play their game, you're still fucking playing their game. You're still virtue signaling. And you're just further giving them power to enslave you versus being cunning to outsmart them. Yeah, I Have integrity, be moral, do the right thing. Don't get pushed into anti-virtue signaling, which is still in their framing. Ooh. You're saying I'm anti-virtue signaling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought we might butt heads about. Because it's still playing the game. Mm. 
Yeah, you're not using the the tools at your hand. So anti-virtue signaling as in not taking advantage of the tools that they've will allow you to speculative attack that system. Right? And I like the framing of it's a speculative attack too. That that makes a lot of sense. Um and helps conceptualize the the argument in that way. Similar how to you overtly speculative attack the dollars by taking out low interest rate loans and buying Bitcoin. Um, Which you could, you could give the same moral critiques to, right? Yeah. This, this debt turnover is a theft of time. This printed money you have easy access to is a theft of time of all the world, especially the third world countries. You could moralize about that to where like we are all, even just by being American citizens and having dollars that have a, in equal exchange rate against all the people in the world we're trading with already have a moral like fallacy where we're taking advantage of the time of everybody in the world because we're buying real wealth and Bitcoin with fake dollars that are already robbing from people because we can't escape being a part of this broken system. Yeah. All right. Let's play the game. Let's use our tools. See, in well, the argument... Well, Go what? I said let's use our tools, but let's call them stupid as well. 100%. Because if we don't be honest about it, the people that are trusting us to build with integrity won't be able to collaborate with us and trust us to know that we uh, we are building on true first principles with them. Like like with the, with the farm situations I'm looking at, we're working on building these pitch decks where we have the regenerative grazing operations. We go after conservation easements, which also have like a they have terms we're actually allowed to do a lot of stuff we want to do on them. It essentially just demonetizes the land because it excludes all future development for like commercial or like big residential purposes. Um, do maybe agro-tourism with Airbnbs, do some off-grid renewable energy, whether that be like biochar or solar or wind um, or natural gas, stranded gas, whatever we can do it. And we have this whole thing and the model just works. It freaking works. Even with the current broken cattle market, the whole thing still actually ticks in a way that's a good enough investment thesis that I think we can raise a significant amount of capital. But when we put the carbon offsets into this thing, it spins off so much money. We actually in the pitch deck fudged our numbers downward to make the thing believable. (laughs) (laughs) And if we go out and do a capital race, all these fiat guys, who have no sort of competition in the market with us because nobody's putting these pieces together like we are because they're all grounded on smoke and mirrors and grift, not truth, right? We're like, we're doing the real thing and it's underlying with so many accurate pieces that just works. True resilience of first principles from the soil all the way up to the customer and every single piece of it. What we'll end up being able to do when we have these funds designed, we'll be able to use those carbon credits to buy those fiat people out and own as a Bitcoin community all this stuff outright and just keep spending this stuff into more and more wealth for the Bitcoin citadels. It's a speculative attack where we're taking advantage of the enemy's soft flanks of their bad monetary rules to put wealth in the emergent nation state of the Bitcoiners. Mm-hmm. So the way I see this, when it comes to the moral argument, this is the same argument I made about speculative attacks using debt. 
the best way I can serve the goodness of those people in foreign nations that are being robbed by the dollar or even the poor or own country that's being robbed by the dollar system and inflation is to take it down as quickly as I can. If I can take on more risk and be cunning to play the game more effectively to destroy the system faster, I have fulfilled my moral imperative to try to help those people in the world that are being wronged. Yeah. I completely agree. We should be moving as quickly as possible to, to replace that system. And so again, staying on ESG though, do you worry by jumping into the carbon credit, the carbon credit game is only one part of it, right? You're forgetting the social and the governance. Does that appeasement uh, on the environment on the E lead to the S and the G creeping into to your business and you being forced to operate your business in a certain way? If you if you play the E games, like hey, you're playing the environmental game, you're playing the carbon credit credits game. Now you need to do social governance part of this ESG movement right do a little bit more you'll get more credits or something like that yeah once again that whole thing is manifesting the favor of the elites right like you look at Tesla again they're using slave labor to harvest rare earth minerals like they should not have a quality ESG rating but they do right because they just it's all fucking lies what I would say is goodness is something that we as bitcoiners care about we know fiat's destroyed the world and we're here because from first principles knowing when we fix the money we fix the world reject their framing tell them we're freaking fixing it tell them how we're fixing it don't follow their definitions like the whole thing of like uh some i forget who it was who tweeted this that if i was somebody trying to be an esg company I would be putting all my treasury in Bitcoin because it's the biggest ESG thing that's ever existed. The Human Rights Foundation's investing money in Bitcoin development, right? Like, let's just stop apologizing. Right. Stop letting them set the rules. Like, if they want to argue ESG, they're the liars. Turn the freaking lights on. I'm fixing the fucking world. You guys are breaking it. Let's see who gets the rating of what, you know? And then just make a mockery of the whole thing. I agree. I agree there. Hold up a mirror to these people. Because <laughs> it's a pretty ugly caricature uh, that they'll see. That's why you get like the whole cobalt mining, the slave labor in China uh, that, that affects the solar industry, particularly uh, the construction of the solar panels. A lot of them, not all of them, um, use the slave labor because it can't be standardized and me- mechanized. The, the materials that are being dealt with are very delicate need a human touch the cobalt for the batteries that store all that energy more slave labor yeah hold up a mirror and just call these like highlight how hypocritical these people are again like the i think the external combustion meme is such a good one it's like yeah your car is not producing any emissions as it drives but it's plugging into uh, a grid that uses fossil fuel energy you're not totally clean if you will and we don't even have to like just pick on tesla either it's just the the whole and that's like the other thing being in the oil and gas industry seeing the big corporations lean into it again because I, I think they they believe they can get a regulatory moat and begin consolidating assets within their particular industry exxon being being 
the poster child of it, I believe. And then Shell as well, recently coming out and in virtue signaling. Um, I think they're doing it for a regulatory mode and handouts that they believe will will allow their industry to consolidate around their businesses. Um, yeah, we should we should be holding up a mirror to these people and, and pointing out how hypocritical they are at any turn. Ridicule um, is is a very potent tool, right? Uh, I guess it's probably about a month ago now, or three three weeks, four weeks ago. I wrote uh, about a YouTube video that, that defines or made the case that we're living through a mass hysteria right now where we've gotten so far away from the truth uh, in our world that we literally have like a mass psychosis that has engulfed the world and <laughs> people don't believe, like they don't believe reality. They, they have a completely manipulated view of reality in the follow-up video, which I didn't post that, um, but I forget the YouTube channel name. If you guys read that, Ben, go to that that page and they had a follow-up video. It was like, how do you get yourself out of the mass psychosis? And one of one of the the tools was ridicule. Like troll these people as hard and as viciously as you can. Um and like like Francis was saying, cry harder. Exactly. Cry harder. And that's the one thing that makes me optimistic too, is Bitcoin. Bitcoiners have proven to be pretty pretty good with the memes, pretty good with uh with gorilla meme warfare shout out bitcoin sign guy um and others who have contributed throughout the years but yeah we just need to begin ridiculing these people what is it brando weenie's law about the cost of bullshit it's more expensive to produce than it is to filter and mockery is the way to cut through it yeah it's exponentially harder to refute bullshit than it is to bring it into the world yeah and that's fiat, right? The art of pandering and the grift. It's all about making bullshit versus we're about making truth. Yeah. Pro- professing truth, manifesting truth. The, pre- the truth is preexistent. And I think that's one thing we should hammer home too. And it's better in the long run for individuals, for businesses, for society is to get to that truth and, and to strive for that truth and to run away from the fiat mindset and the, as a society built on on virtue signaling and that actual virtue, um, not not living to be virtuous, but living to signal that you are, which is just the complete opposite of what we should be doing. Like, how do we get that through? It is worthwhile, profitable, and beneficial to society overall. Yeah, I think we have so much energy as Bitcoiners who are so fed up with this, that we're going to just change that as the momentum of the intransigent intransigent minority grows. Yeah. Like, like we, like the meme culture, right? Like, like a simple example, like a typically in history, a small farmer like me trying to do the right thing would get crushed by the messaging and narrative of Lando lakes with their, ESG and carbon offsets of this feedlot with solar panels and LED lights, right? But with Bitcoin culture, it'd be so easy for us to slap up some photos, make a meme out of it, the cyber hornets go to war, and now all of a sudden we control the narrative again. It's a whole new world because we can't be threatened. We have the covering of this new nation state where we no longer need the protection of violence of our sovereigns over us because Bitcoin is our sovereign rules, but no rulers. You can't rob us anymore. So we can stand on the truth and fuck you guys. Yeah. 
No, it's something we we need to begin permeating in the mainstream network. Like anybody going like Bitcoiners going on like CNBC, Bloomberg, whatever. Like really need to lean into like the human rights issues. We were in that Twitter spaces together last week. And that, dude, yeah. that CNBC advisor was like, Bitcoin, God, that pissed me off. Bitcoiners need to work on marketing. It's all about number go up and people getting rich. And like it's like, nah. If you actually, <laughs> I responded to him. I said, if you actually listen to Bitcoiners and, and read some of the content, it, human rights is a very strong focus within the community. Obviously, you mentioned human rights foundation and their efforts to contribute to Bitcoin development. Uh, obviously, Alex Gladstein, who's the director over there, has been written writing and producing incredible content focused on human rights. And I just put the mirror on him. I was like, you're an advisor at CNBC. Like these stories out there exist, these human rights issue stories, and yet they don't get clicks. And so they don't talk about them. And so all they talk about is price volatility and, uh, and sound bites from billionaires. They don't, they don't talk about the human rights issues. Like, Hey, you're in a position of power. Like recommend that they, they run more human rights stories on how Bitcoin is helping individuals in Venezuela escape hyperinflation and capital controls um, so that they can buy food and medical conditions, or excuse me, medical goods about the Nigeria and SARS movement. Why don't you write about that and how Bitcoin saved the women of that movement when saved them, but enabled them to receive and send money when their bank accounts got shut down. And nobody focuses on that in the mainstream. And I guess that's that's one thing we should begin calling. Yeah, these these networks out who just to like to paint Bitcoiners as as pump boys that that only want to get rich and and aren't really in this for for freedom, which is what most Bitcoiners that I know at least or that I pay attention to and follow and respect focus on is the the freedom enabling aspects of of the Bitcoin network. Getting rich is I'm not going to lie, it's cool, but it's it's a byproduct of the freedom. Yeah, one thing I've learned in trying to dedicate my life to being a student of truth and just to be voraciously curious and learn from everything you touch is that 80 to 90% of the effort of discovering truth anywhere is about asking the right question. It's about defining the problem clearly. I think I think I mentioned this in the Twitter spaces with Nick Carter. One of the big problems we have in messaging is simply that the people we're speaking to, it's the mass hysteria, right? They are not grounded on any truth to the extent that they don't understand the problem. Like they have no clue what the problem is. So when we try to explain the solution, it's just, it just, they have no idea. I think we need to spend more time and just admit in the community without cruelty how dumb everybody is. <laughs> and spend more time educating about the problem itself. Yeah. Like, I tried to put out a Twitter thread about this the other day. Like we keep talking about human rights issues as if they're third world country problems. In small business America, cash structuring seizures where you get charged with your cash deposits into your bank accounts and then the feds come in and take all the money from your account and it takes you six months to multiple years to get your cash back and you're out of business before you ever get your liquidity to run your operations and you're just done. Like that happens all the time. That stuff mixed with all sorts of little stupid laws like like asset, civil asset purchase forfeiture. I posted a whole tweet thread of like a dozen different videos from the International Justice Institute or whatever. And um, I mean, that, that thread got like three likes. It's like 
we just don't want to talk about this stuff. We don't want to talk about that small business America has been systematically destroyed over 10 years because of this monetary rules, right? Like, like even these reporting rules, this back when you had these reporting rules for deposit amounts before inflation got to where it is today, that was like 60 grand. That's not that bad for a small business. I mean, if you, if you look at it like, okay, that wall shouldn't exist in the first place because why should the government have to know anyway? But like slippery slope, they didn't complain because it didn't really get that much in the way of their operations. For me now, I run a residential fencing company as one of my like things I own. And most of our jobs are over 10 grand, you know? It's not the same that it used to be. And they've never changed those rules. If anything, they keep tightening farther and farther and farther. And then they use that to go after you for these cash laws. And if your business gets on the wrong side of one of these bureaucrats, they can fuck you pretty easily. It happens all too common and we never talk about it. Bitcoin fixes this. Why do we not go out and hammer on small businesses about like, hey, like PayPal seized all your money because they like did such and such and you couldn't get your liquidity for 180 days. Like this is American problems. Let's fix it. Right. Yeah. That and just money in general. I mean, but that's like the hard thing. Like, like, do you know how money works? It's like always Is it, one of the how, How's the water, right? Like two, yeah. two suspicious swim by each other. The old one, that's the other one. How's the water? It's like, what water? Yeah, like my wife and I were on our morning walk with our son this morning getting some vitamin D. And she was talking about how she like finally had her mom come to an aha moment yesterday when they were shopping about Bitcoin. She leaned into inflation and like the Fed printing. It was like something her mom never thought about, even with me as her son-in-law. And yeah, these people, these people, most people um, are uneducated about this stuff, about the problems. So one framing I like to, again, lean into the freedom. Like you either get the U.S. surveillance system upgraded to include a complete financial panopticon with their their USDC or whatever they're going to create, their CBDC and their surveillance coin, where we get freedom in the di- digital age, autonomy to to interact with with who we see fit. That's that's powerful. Um, I think like Bitcoin's network aspect. Like, yeah, how do we highlight the problems? Inflation, censorable uh, money get that out there and again like i think we need to highlight these human rights instances where bitcoin's stepped up and helped people venezuela nigeria lebanon iran turkey um the u.s human rights violations of the small business right so how do we but that's the problem like we're we're out here doing this all the time it's the mainstream right that that's getting out to most people that, that really isn't doing this accurately or genuinely, right? They're just using sound bites from billionaires and, and price volatility. I and mean, that's all they talk about. Speaking of like a hot topic, right? Is the whole uh, like defund the police stuff. Oh. Did uh, you know that there has been more theft of civil asset forfeiture by cops stealing from people than there actually is a burglaries now in our country? <laughs> I did not know that, no. Yeah, it's happened to somebody, one of my uh, a family members, somebody I know, they were going to buy a used car and they had cash in their trunk to go buy it. And they got pulled over, they confiscated the cash and they never saw the money again. 
you're talking like 10 or 15 grand. Because then, yeah, because then you have to, you have to sue, right? That's the way civil asset forfeiture works. They take your money and then you have to sue them to get it back, which comes with a bunch of legal costs and there's legal costs to help the cash that you're going to get back in the first place is completely corrupt. Yep. If you can even prove it, because then you have to prove it's no, it's not innocent until proven guilty in these cases. It's actually the system's upside down. You have to prove you weren't going to use the money for something illicit because they separate your innocence from the guilt of the asset and they treat the asset as if it's pre-guilty. So you have to prove a negative, which is impossible. <sighs> yeah, and they're just using this money to buy new cars for their fleet. Are they, are they giving out personal handouts to police officers, do you think? I have no idea. Yeah. Either way, it's freaking wrong. Right. And if that's a hot button issue and everybody being upset about like this stuff, why don't we jump on that narrative and take it over as Bitcoiners? Yeah. I mean, people have. People, civil asset forfeiture has been brought up many times. No, and I, I think we're being too harsh on Bitcoiners. I think Bitcoiners, again, are good at highlighting this. It's the disingenuous. Entrenched yeah, it's the mainstream stuff. media getting the stuff. getting it out of the community. Yeah, and that's like again, like when we said in that Twitter space, like I was like, you guys really need to work on marketing and, and getting away from like number go up. It's like what? You're an advisor for, at CNBC. If fucking Jason Calacanis coming on talking out of his ass about things he doesn't even understand, fucking Mark Cuban coming on. <laughs> Shilling NFTs. You had fucking Brian Kelly shilling Ripple at the market height in December of 2017. Like, <laughs> we're not the ones spreading bad information. Like, it's you. It's you that has a marketing problem. Literally feeding into people's addiction to endorphins um, that, that comes with, with price volatility. And again, that's not, that's not to say that like the price volatility isn't a part of the story. It certainly is it's part of the monetization path. And number go up is part of the story. It increases the utility and it means that the Bitcoin is winning. And so like they are certainly important topics to cover to some extent. But to make it the the sole focus of of the coverage is is not doing anybody any favors if you truly exist to educate people about modern finance as cnbc and bloomberg and others purport to do i don't think they exist to do that they exist for advertising dollars and eyeballs and sex sells and price movements are sexy we've got such a good hero's tale you know of the narrative if we can find a way to get that actually penetrated out through the fog I mean, a bunch of cyberpunks are tired of being robbed from. We have multiple electronic currencies get destroyed over decades. We finally create one that can't be stopped, and now we're winning, you know? Oh, it's going to be an incredible story to tell in retrospect. It's just how do we get to that point to look back in retrospect after after we won? And, and the narrative is, or not the narrative, but the truth has prevailed. So then that's the other thing. Like, are we just wasting breath fighting this? Is, is Bitcoin's natural incentive system going to lead us there anyway, no matter what we think or, or how we fight? I would say no. No. The, 
the people with the most monetary energy are the ones with the strongest incentive to discover Bitcoin quickly. But those are the people that have perpetuated the greatest evils and crimes in our world. It's those that have been deceived that are the ones we want to have the early entrance into Bitcoin to better have that catch-up effect. All of our out there evangelizing is to rescue those that have been oppressed. If we stop doing that, the wealthy are going to have more leverage and win because then those people will be last once again. Yeah. That's a good point. That's an, yeah, and that's another thing that worries me is like all these institutions coming in and thinking they're going to throw away. That's why I got so angry. And like the Sailor Musk thing. It's like, who the fuck are you to create a mining council and speak on behalf? And that, so that's why I got mad last week and other, other industry players within the Bitcoin mining industry in North America, especially ones that participate in them. Like, how do you not see that you're you're falling down that slippery slope? why are we appeasing Elon and again he doesn't care he wants to sell you his carbon credits like he's positioning himself to be able to do that in the future and he wants to be seen as a figurehead that's pushing the Bitcoin mining industry in a certain direction that he deems virtuous um, and that I deem completely anathema to, to what Bitcoin exists why Bitcoin exists excuse me um, and so it was just very disconcerting to see some industry players here in, in the U.S. But a lot of them, if you look, are publicly traded companies. They're VCs with mandates from LPs to, to check the ESG box. Like it's the perverse incentives of the incumbent system leaking into Bitcoin to some extent, the fiat standard leaking into the the Bitcoin world. Yeah, all those publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies have to posture that way. They won't be included in ETFs or mutual funds or yada, yada, yada. Art of the grift, baby. That's fiat. Uh, I hate it as much as you do, buddy. I know. I've, uh, because of taking stands for integrity, I mean, I've been homeless and hungry before in my life. It's just, there's, we, and we, all of us are like this. This is why we're here. We're the guys who think the truth is worth everything, which is why we're the first movers. Right. It really is, though. And again, like I said earlier, the truth shall set you free. It shall make everybody better off. That's the that's one thing. Anybody listening to this, maybe like a Bitcoin skeptic, but like against the, the crony capitalist system, the crony socialist system is what it's turning into. Like, this builds up everybody. This, this is inclusive. It rejects that mindset of, of grifting, right? Like it's all, all about objective truth. And again, it'll permeate beyond Bitcoin into the other industries that, that it touches or the Bitcoiners um, that help build this network out touch, like what you're doing with the regenerative farming. Like it's all seeking this objective truth that, byproduct of which is is more productivity more wealth more more capital for the masses as opposed to the system of grift where that capital is tightly controlled by a select few and funnel to the top funnel to the top and and the people who play within that are, are just playing into their consolidation game at the end of the day uh, versus 
Bitcoin is perfectly equitable. We all play by the same rules. The only thing that matters is your contribution of energy to the network. And then when we contribute energy to the network, we all grow in wealth together. Yeah. It's such a juxtaposition. Uh, Got to keep fighting. Yep. Because like- I mean, where they're trying to where they're trying to take things right is uh, with these e- ESGs, it's in the carbon offsets. It's crony capitalism 2.0. It's like the next iteration of fiat control. But they're trying to manipulate incentives where they can give political favor or disfavor based on their whims of like changing the regulatory burden of getting these offsets or whatever or making you pay more of them. They're trying to push us all towards this centralized AI system, right? To where we have the central big digital currency. They can control differential tax rates or incentive structures to give you bonus money for everything. That way they can let this AI system dictate the decisions for everybody to where nobody's making any decisions about what's best for you because you're just controlled completely top down and they control through the mechanism of pricing, which is like the language all humans understand reality by what we should be doing to collaborate. Through that mechanism of pricing, they control the production of everything in the world to incentivize what they want happening in the world versus Bitcoin supports freedom. It's the antithesis to that world. Which one are we going to choose? I choose freedom. No, but it's also like, again, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but could you really envision a world where most of the world's like enslaved to this digital panopticon? Could you imagine a world where 20%, 15% of all your life force and energy was stolen from you year on year and nobody did anything about it? Yeah. Well, people are starting to do something about it. But it, again, like natural equilibrium, you said nature has a great way of, of calibrating and finding a state of equilibrium, if you will. Does humanity have that as well? Like, do the people get pushed too far and they're forced to bring it back to a to an equilibrium built on on freedom and autonomy as as an individual i think so the um yeah everything has a way with this pressure differential of eventually kind of reaching that balance again right like um their ai system that whole thing would work if they could control all the edge effects and have no sort of thing that wasn't outside of their control, you have one disruptor along the edges of that system, it puts that whole system on unstable footing. We have Bitcoin. It disrupted at its very center of its monetary communication system to where they can't control pricing anymore in a like closed loop system. It's now a completely open loop system no matter what they do. Thus, their control can never stand because no preferative, like they can't contain the pressure differential anymore. It's always going to break out because of Bitcoin. It no longer takes violent revolution of the pressure differential to break out because humanity says so. It can happen in a way that's peaceful. It's peaceful as it could have been anyways. That's the other thing that's a peaceful aspect of it too. Like if you have access to energy, you can contribute. Like you can do that. It completely levels the playing field from a global perspective. 
somebody in, in Pakistan can contribute just as much as somebody in New Jersey um, if they yeah. have access to to the miners. Not only that, it draws societal advancement to the energy. So it brings an equilibrium across the globe, like that article you posted about the energy stuff. That really talked about it really well. Yeah, not, not really well. And this, I love that article too. So referencing uh, the article from one of my favorite NIMs now, new NIM, Hodlin Caulfield um, and Celine Lindstrom, which is another another NIM. I'm going to find it now so we can share it with you freaks. But um, the thing I loved most about that article was that it got to the why of energy. Like energy, that's the other thing with the ESG movement. Why, how you know it's about control is that humans leverage energy and the conversion of that energy into electricity to make life better, to actually protect ourselves from climate. It comes from the understanding that climate does change. We need to protect ourselves from that climate change from season to season, from day to day, whatever it may be. And humans being incredibly resourceful and innovative have, have figured out a way to convert energy into electricity to build things to do work to protect ourselves and to to lead to human flourishing energy conversion into electricity and the the increase of of that conversion correlates tightly with human flourishing and we should be championing the fact that we're finding more ways to monetize energy and turn it into electricity and the other thing like to another thing we should lean into like bitcoin is conservatism it is conservationism keep saying conservatism over conservationism but it allows you to take these scarce energy resources produce electricity convert it to electricity produce hashes and get you bitcoin and then that energy that was converted to electricity is somewhat moralized memorialized in this digital ledger into perpetuity as people can send it back and forth it's a beautiful thing Energy customer first and last resort. Really is. So the article by uh, Hovland Caulfield and Celine Lindstrom, Bitcoin Mining and the Case for More Energy, uh, bitcoinandenergy.medium.com. If you freaks haven't read it yet, highly recommend the why of energy. Why do we have energy? Why do we produce electricity? Just to make our lives better, to protect ourselves from the climate. Protect ourselves. Mother Earth's a beautiful bitch. But she's also a cruel bitch. The nature is unforgiving, and and we leverage these technologies to to protect ourselves from an unforgiving nature. And this is something that should be celebrated. Yes, we should be as efficient, and we should value the the scarce free energy resources that we have on this world. That's why I'm very proud of what we do at Great American Mining. And, taking that gas would otherwise literally just be wasted and set on fire and getting some productive economic value out of it. And we should think again, I'm an environmentalist at the end of the day. I just disagree with the framing from which a, a group of hysterics is, is, is pitching environmentalism to the rest of the world. I don't think it's actually environmental at all because it's anti-human. Um, and humans are, are best able to leverage the environment that we've been handed to to create beautiful things and innovate and drive society forward. Um, something that should be celebrated. We, yeah. In terms of getting out in front of the narrative and 
owning the narrative. That's another thing about education that we were talking about earlier. We need to educate people that electricity is good. Leveraging these yep. resources is good. Um, it should definitely be done, done so in an efficient way in a, in a way in which uh, the producers and consumers of that energy are, are being stewards of, of those resources and, and the earth that's coming out of, but should no, by no means be discouraging the, um, of, of energy production and electricity production. It's, um, it's imperative for, for human flourishing. And that's, so that's another thing we have to lean into is like, if you really want to push us this way, ESG movement, you're going to make electricity prices higher and that hurts poor people the most. You're anti-poor people. <laughs> yeah. I love the point you're making about it's also what advances us as society because energy is not just defensive against mother nature. It's the power to steward our world for greater order and beauty. And then Bitcoin in particular, by being the customer of first and last resort, it creates leverage to enable deeper energy access into communities that couldn't get there before to enable them to steward their world for greater order and beauty. It's inclusive in the way that it invites everybody into the game where we can make our world a better place. It gives them a leg up to actually get to where they can start going. And again, that's just the first order effect. The second order effect of that conversion of energy into electricity to produce ashes to produce bitcoin again the bitcoin that is produced ushers in sound monetary policy that leads to a reduction in misallocated capital which leads to more people deciding to drink out of yetis instead of plastic bottles and roads <laughs> that are that are made to last decades instead of 10 months because you just want a jobs program um in the production of more efficient compute products. The list goes on and on. Like we're going to be a boon for society, efficiency, and conservationism on many, many fronts. And again, the first order visible effect is is with the energy, right? Like here, it's very visible. Again, Bitcoin wears its energy use on its sleeve, so um, it's hard not to notice it. It's a good thing. It's just trying to educate people why it's a good thing is, is something that um, a lot of Bitcoiners are, are thinking about very hard right now. Again, I, if you guys go read the Bitcoin mining in the case for more energy, I think those two NIMS do do an incredible job of, of articulating why energy. That was, a, that was a really good article. Right. I read that at like 7.30 on a Friday night of Memorial Day weekend. I think that, that shows you how good that article was. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what we're up against is a philosophy of nihilism. Because if you step back from this a little bit, like we can say that like energy is the power to go out and do good in the world, to create order from the chaos and to make the world a more beautiful place. And they'll go, well, what about all these people using energy to do harm or all the harm being done because of how they're using the energy? Like, well, okay, what about all the harm being done by free will, right? Like, we're people that the slice of the divine of getting to choose is in us. And I'm not God. I don't get to choose whether or not somebody uses their free will or their power for good or for evil. That doesn't make free will wrong. 
I think that's where the line in society is getting drawn is there's people that think free will shouldn't exist and they use their free will to argue for it, that nobody should have will or power versus we as Bitcoiners argue that this is our right as humanity to have free will to choose. Yeah. Again, it's about control. They, they don't think that we can control ourselves in a way that, that that makes the world a better place in the long run. So this World Economic Forum, this Davos class wants to step in and control everything on behalf of us because we're too dumb. We don't we don't get how anything works. They, they need, we need that top-down structure to be fed to us. We have to be forced into that panopticon so that we can be forced to act in certain ways. This is truly how these people think. They think we're cattle at the end of the day. This is endemic of, of everything throughout society, like a model-driven society. The Fed looking at their models, uh, <laughs> the shutdowns based off of, of models that turned out not to be like these. And that's the other thing. Like we've proven time and time again that their view of the world as an input-output system and is very data-driven by the numbers uh, we've proven time and time again that just isn't the case and yet they still want to push us further and further into to that worldview we just didn't have enough data we weren't accurate enough we need more data like no guys <laughs> this is romance this is co-storytelling with listening to reality around you this is not trying to control everything like a machine yeah they're they're trying to deny the potential for for new thoughts new new types of data points new new ways of leveraging the variables that they they plug into their models like that like that in and of itself should really drive home to the listeners like the the, the fact that this is a system built on nihilism like they don't think we can do anything um, to to progress society like you know, the models can't inherently can't take into consideration like future innovations or or new information that comes to market i think they they can't because it doesn't exist yet and it's impossible to to implement it which that's the biggest slice of the divine in us in our free will is the ability to create creativity of having new ideas that birth from nothing if you restrict that you're cutting us off from the divine nature inside of us exactly and this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy creativity. Literally, the surveillance coin that they will put on the market will not allow you to do things. It will not allow you to be creative. Sorry, transaction cannot be processed. <laughs> like, that's, that's what's going to happen when you come up with a creative idea in the future. Sorry, your transaction cannot be processed. This is why I think Jordan Peterson was so successful too. Because his message is just the antithesis of nihilism, right? It's something that really strongly advocates like personal responsibility. Go and clean your room, right? And everybody having I mean, kind of this whole idea of free will being the slice of the divine. So many of Jordan Peterson's followers are starting to get into religion, you know? They're starting to ask questions in a way that like, they're all starting to wonder, like, man, Peter said, I feel like we're kind of leaving you behind. You got to start on this road, but where are you at, buddy? It's There's only two ways this goes, of realizing that free will and truth is everything, or 
and like we're intended to be like to rule and reign with God over this world, right? Or we're the devil and we're destroying it and we all need to be destroyed too. It's like they're really it's just getting more and more divergent between the two. And you gotta pick a camp. Yeah. I know which camp I'm picking, and it's so it's so crazy too how it's permeated the culture. Like the culture is so sick. Kanye said it so perfectly in one of the interviews after he dropped Jesus as king. He's like, your bitch cares more about Instagram than she does about you. She's checking Instagram first for her self-esteem before she's checking in with her husband. Like she's not like this, this idea that this idea that you're like everything's being commoditized, right? Like, I go on Instagram to crowdsource my self-esteem. It's not you're you're looking outwardly to to fulfill, find fulfillment, right? That line, like your bitch is checking Instagram, see what they think before you. It's like she's outsourcing. She's living in a paradigm where she's outsourcing her self-esteem that should be provided in within the monogamous relationship to to the, the, the Instagram world. Which is, and that, and that's, but that's like a fleeting. It's like a fleeting act, right? Like you're never going to be able to live a fulfilled life doing that, if you're you're depending on that fulfillment from strangers that you've never met and never will meet. Like you'll never get that self fulfillment of actually building something worthwhile in terms of like a good relationship and family and all that stuff. One of my favorite quotes is don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come fully alive because what the world needs is men who have come fully alive. This whole nihilism of that whole philosophy that they're trying to push on us is anti-human flourishing in the sense that it's also destructive of human identity because when you don't let people settle into that place of being their creative self, they can't be themselves. Uh, like my, my sage always says it this way, like, how do you know you're living as your true self when you're accomplishing huge things with very little effort? This system, this digital Fed coin is going to inhibit you from being able to leverage your gifts as a human to contribute to the world. It's just going to grind away everybody's identity as a human being to shape you into this machine to where the whole world just degrades to nothing together. Versus Bitcoin gives you the freedom to become all you're made to be. The choice is yours, freaks. Again, it's a choice that needs to be followed up with action, right? You need need to keep acquiring Bitcoin is just one thing, but making sure that it succeeds, that it is sufficiently robust, that it is sufficiently distributed, and that it is getting into the hands of the people who need it most is, is not something that happens sitting on your ass. You need to be vocal. Working towards that goal can be as simple as just helping to educate people, right? Highlight these problems that we've been discussing for the last two hours um, and the hypocrisy that exists throughout the fiat system and, and how to combat it. I, mean, I think this has been a very productive conversation. I think we're, we're equipping 
the listeners, the freaks out there with, with tools to, to go out into the world and, and begin fighting back against this and fighting it within it and using it um, to attack itself. Because it's time to leverage this foundation we've been given to go out and become who we really are and just let the light shine of the contrast between the darkness and what the truth is we're bringing. That in itself, I think, will change everything. It's, it'll get everything from number go up to look at these guys changing the world. How do I be a part of this new nation? Yeah. That's the other thing, too, the opportunity to change the world. They're not going to let you build the, the CBDC, I can tell you that, freak, but you can come contribute to Bitcoin, build around Bitcoin, leverage Bitcoin to build something outside the system. The opportunity will, exists here, not over there. And we'll do everything we can as a community to support each other in that, too. We pursue helping each other be our best selves. I've seen that so much with the cattle project of how much these guys have all contributed to me. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am without the support of all the plebs. Plebs together strong. The plebs are doing it too. And even I think proved over the weekend, the marathon, they bent the needs to the plebs. People screamed at them again. We'll see. We'll see uh, if, the, if they follow up with what they said, but at least they felt pressured by the, the pressure from the plebs to to come out and say something and posture a certain way, which is a good sign um, that, that they're at least hearing the pushback, which which is a good validation. Yeah, that's the whole reason, really, for me, my motivating factor for the whole cattle co-op, trying to get people land and food sustainability, because I want to give all the plebs the foundation to go out and be themselves, to shine their light and change the world, because that's really where we're going to win this thing. And this follows up nicely with the Dave Column episode is everybody's got to grow a pair. You got to stand up, you got to have the confidence. So if anything, I hope this conversation instills some confidence in you freaks to stand up and hold that mirror up and call out that hypocrisy and to have the confidence to believe that we'll, Bitcoin is attempting to bring the world is virtuous and it is a good thing. And it is something worth fighting for. Speak up. We can't let these people win. We can't let nihilism win. We can't let this sick culture become the norm. Bitcoin must win. Bitcoin, there is no alternative, as our friend Bitcoin Tina would like to say. Well, Joel. You gotta get you gotta get driving here. Yeah, time to time to hit the road. Heading to Miami, guys. Going to actually get to see all of you. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm so stoked to get to shake everybody's hand. Yeah, I'm pumped too. I get in tomorrow morning, so I guess I will see you. You said you get in Thursday? Probably Thursday midday. That's the goal. I'm gonna try to put some good hours in tonight in order to hit them at that time. All right. Well, I can't wait to meet you in person to shake your hand. Uh it's going to be a fun time down there. Drive safe. Is there anything that we should leave this conversation on? Mm. It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this world with you guys, man. This truly is something where either the world's going to be something incredible and beautiful because we took a stand together to subvert the hard times as good men because we saw it coming. 
or it's going to be nihilism that just grinds away our children. I'm so privileged to be a part of this with so many guys like you, Marty. I, the more I've gotten into building the cattle co-op project and met people, the more humbled I'm becoming. I'm just like, there's so many incredible hearts and people as a part of this thing. And anybody out here listening to this, I'm, my heart's with you guys. There's everything I can do to support you guys, not just in the cattle co-op, but as people too. Like I will do anything I can to help this thing, man, to help you guys as you trying to be who you're meant to be in the world. I'm pretty swamped, but I'm sorry I've not gotten back to every one of you guys messaging me. But man, I my heart is so much with all you people. I'm happy we did this. I feel the same, buddy. We're we're in this with a lot of good people. You being one of them, and I, I love how articulate you are um, when it comes to just describing the the importance of what we're doing and and the essence of what we're doing. Um, so thank you. Thank you for reaching out and saying, Hey, let's talk about ESG. I think, uh, again, this is going to be an episode that equips the freaks with, with tools to fight back against the madness. You drive safe. I'll see you in a couple days. Peace and love. See you soon.